I started having a lot of doubt and I almost quit. It was my shortest day and I thought, I'm going to know this is going to be the easiest day. It was only like six and a half mile, seven and a half, seven mile day. It was the shortest day mileage wise. Um, but it was really hot. I ran out of water. I literally started, before I got to camp that night, started planning, how can I leave? Like, what can I do tomorrow? Can I, I can turn around, go back the way I came. It's near a popular lake. I can call an Uber. And then that was the moment that day that I decided no more worrying about pace. Cause I, up until that point I was, I told you this, I was worried about pace. I was kept checking my watch going, okay, if I keep going to this pace, I'll be at camp at this time and yada, yada, yada. And I just stopped. And day four was one of the longest days, but the best day. I was out there for 12 hours. It was a long day. <laughs> it was hot, but I didn't look at the watch once did not care how far I was going, didn't care, care how far I had to go, didn't care how long it was going to take me. As long as I got to camp before dark, that was the goal. And it changed drastically. Yeah, from that moment, it was so... I focused more on enjoying each moment and just really focusing on everything that was around me. And from then on, it was, yeah, it was just so much more, so much more enjoyable. Welcome back to the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. We are Jess and Beach, and this is the place where we share stories of people looking, finding, and living their purpose. And how do you do that? Well, so much of our purpose in this life comes from following the callings on our heart, and that is what we're going to do today. We're going to smack down an epic experience of Liz Perkowski, who is a Yogi Triathlete athlete. She is on the squad, and we are here in person with uh, her coach, Melissa Gans, who is uh, in town from Philly. We're so happy to have her here here on the best coast. We just put down some vegan pizza and we are drinking some athletic brewing, non-alcoholic IPA because we don't want to have any compromises for our epic ride tomorrow morning. But uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. Today we're going to talk about Liz's experience. She just came back from a seven-day through hike on the Tahoe Rim Trail. And as soon as I heard that she had done this, I knew that we had to get her on the show because following your heart and doing things that scare you and checking off those things on the bucket list are incredibly important. We are here to fulfill our desires. And life is so short that you don't want to leave this earth without fulfilling your desires. So Liz, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. (laughs) Thank you. That first voice was Melissa, who was literally meditating and holding the mic. So, Liz, <laughs> welcome to the show. Thank you. <laughs> That's awesome. We are a little punchy because we were up early this morning, swimming with one with the ocean down in Encinitas, and the ocean was spicy today. We had swell, we had chop, then we all went for a run, and it is like a late night podcast for us. It is 6.24 p.m., Uh, so we may be a little punchy, but if you've listened to the show before in any of the Smackdowns we've done, you know we love punchy. So, once again, Liz, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's all me. All right. Hey, I'm here too. Um, we got coaches, we got athletes. So yeah, so let's dive into, uh, so where did this, um, where did this epic adventure first, um, birth? Like where, when did this first come into your awareness? 
So this particular trail, actually your podcast. Mm. So I've always had dreams and I've always felt a calling to the PCT um, and have read many books about the PCT and I've always had that like deep in my heart that someday I want to be able to do it, which I know is a big jump (laughs) from seven days to the PCT. But um, I've always wanted to go backpacking. I've had the gear for a few years now was supposed to go with my family a couple years ago before COVID. And then because of the fires and then COVID, it just kept getting put on the back burner. And so I've just been having the gear just sitting there. And there was one day I listened to your podcast where someone did hike the Tahoe Rim Trail. I was like, oh, I love Tahoe. We camp in Tahoe all the time. That'd be a pretty cool trail to do. And so it was about a couple of months ago that I really started joining some Facebook groups, went and bought the map, went and finished buying all the gear that I would need because I didn't have everything and just let it just kind of sit. I still didn't really, wasn't really planning, planning. So I really didn't think, I was like, can I do this solo on my own for the very first trip ever? And yeah, I just started to kind of just build in the past couple of months. Are you a planner or are you just go with the flow, see what the adventure well, for this, you had, yeah, there was, it was a little bit of both. Like, you had to plan. Like, I definitely had to know logistically, like, where to park, where was the best place to start, um, where to camp each night because of the lack of water. So, that was huge. You had to get to the next camping spot so you'd have access to water. So, that's where, like, the, um, there's a, a Tahoe Rim Trail Association that has an awesome website. So, that really helped. They had, like, segments that they had planned out, like, where you should goal for each day for your miles and where to camp, where their water sources are. They had maps you could download. And then the Facebook groups were a lot of help. So yeah, that was a lot of planning too. But then also going in knowing if I need to change it, be flexible. Like you had had to know that that would be possible. And that happened twice. (laughs) I love how you prepared yourself by buying all the gear, getting the map, but you still didn't you really hadn't made the decision yet, but you were going to be ready if the decision, when that came. Um, but it, it sounds like, it sounds like it was something that you just decided not too long ago. When was the final, like how far out were you from the hike when you were like, that's it, I'm going and it's going to be this date? Probably only a few weeks. Cause it was Memorial- That's why I didn't know about it. I was yeah. like, how did I not know she was doing this? Because Memorial Day weekend, we were camping at, at the beach like we always do with my family. And I have cousins and an aunt that go to Lake Tahoe every summer. Like they go every single summer. And I was chatting with them and they were telling me the dates they were going to be there. And I was like, and I had a thought. I was like, what if I time it so that I can see them too? And like I can camp with them a couple lights either before or after. God, it'd be awesome. And especially because some of my cousins that don't go every year were going this year. So I was like, oh, I'd get to camp with a lot of the family. That'd be fun. We'd like, Tahoe's a special place for us. We always camp on the west side and that's the side where everyone was saying to avoid because of all the snow. Like, they're like, if you're going to do the whole thing, people were recommending you wait till August and I can't wait till August because of work. So yeah, I was up until, yeah, probably not until about summer officially started that I really started sitting down and thinking can I do this? Can I make this work logistically as far as the timing, being away from home and, and yeah. And like timing of would I be able to finish and the time that I wanted to finish. So yeah. And then I started dehydrating my own food. <laughs> so that was fun. <laughs> and then that's when I started thinking, that's when I started thinking, I'm like, okay, if I'm doing all this work to dehydrate my own food, this is happening. <laughs> 
<laughs> what were the biggest, as you're going through this process, uh, what were the biggest m- mental hurdles of wrapping your, wrapping your brain around what this, as you started to get more information about how this was all going to unfold, what were your, your biggest challenges before you even stepped foot? Before I started? Yeah. Uh, I think the confidence, because I was going alone. Yeah, the confidence, but not, I mean, obviously I was, I was nervous. I was, there was, there was fear for sure. Um, fear of what? Fear of, am I going to get out there, be by myself and absolutely be miserable and fear of bears. Mm -hmm. You know, I've camped with bears all my life, but never like away from other people and out like, in like not in a, a set campground. Um, but yeah, but then I was trying to like, my mom was terrified. She had, did not want me to do this at all. So then I had to kind of hide my fear <laughs> to like make her feel good. So, um, yeah. She actually helped you then. Sort Probably. of. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing yeah. But- help me. Cause like the more I talked her into it that I can do this, I was kind of, yeah. Talking myself into it too. Yeah. I want to know, cause it just, it just came in and I don't want to get too far ahead, but like, you mentioned the bears and wildlife and all the things that are out there. Like at night when you set up camp and you're sleeping and it's super quiet, what are you thinking about? Uh, the bear <laughs> that I heard right outside my tent <laughs> on night one. <laughs> um, yeah, night one, I was by myself. Yeah, in an area where there's no one around anywhere within earshot. And yeah, I heard a bear and it was a big one. Um, yeah, my heart was literally pounding. Yeah, that was, that was the most fearful, fearful moment for sure. Okay. So your heart's pounding, but what are you doing? Are you like, are you tapping into any tools? Are you like connecting with your breath? Are you praying? Like, what are you doing? Uh, yeah, I think I was, yeah, just focus on, on breathing at that point. Yeah. Just, I was like, cause I could feel like my heart rate just speeding up. Like, just slow it down, slow it down. I started licking my lips cause I had chopstick on. <laughs> I didn't want the bear to smell the chopstick. <laughs> Um, yeah, and just be really quiet. I was like, okay, and just just listening with every ounce of hearing I had to just try to be able to tell where it is, what what's a plan here if it does try to get in my tent. Um, yeah. So you were out there for seven days total. My question is, where was your headspace when you started versus perhaps in the middle and then towards the end? How did that change throughout? your quest changed a lot. (laughs) Uh, in the beginning full of excitement and like was pumped up with adrenaline. Um, about day three, I started having a lot of doubt and I almost quit. Um, it was my shortest day and I thought, oh, this is going to be the easiest day. It was only like six and a half mile, seven and a half, seven mile day. It was the shortest day mileage wise. Um, but it was really hot. I ran out of water I literally started, before I got to camp that night, started planning, how can I leave? Like, what can I do tomorrow? Can I, I can turn around, go back the way I came. It's near a popular lake. I can call an Uber. And then, um, and then that was the moment that day that I decided no more worrying about pace. Cause I up until that point I was, I told you this, I was worried about pace. I was kept checking my watch going, okay, if I keep going to this pace, I'll be at camp at this time and yada, yada, yada. And, I stopped and day four was one of the longest days, but the best day. Um, I was out there for 12 hours. It was a long day. <laughs> it was hot. Um, 
but I didn't look at the watch once, did not care how far I was going, didn't care how far I had to go, didn't care how long it was going to take me. As long as I got to camp before dark, that was the goal. And it changed drastically. Yeah, from that moment, it was so, I focused more on enjoying each moment and just really focusing on everything that was around me. And from then on, it was, yeah, it was just so much more, so much more enjoyable. And what about the end? Just to finish Melissa's question about how it was compared to the same thing. Yeah. That last day I was still, I was like, this is it. Like, take your time. Don't rush it. Like a part of me kind of wanted to get back to the city early enough to be able to go out to eat and get clean clothes and maybe even get back to camp with my family who were a good like 20 minute drive away. And I started saying, but why? I can just stay in town, get a hotel or camp in town if I need to. I don't want this to end. So I was intentionally like slowing things down, stopping and taking more pictures, journaling. I started, that that was the other thing I started on day four after that hard day. I started journaling every day at lunch. And that really helped me to one, slow things down and take like a longer lunch break and also to focus on all the good that was happening, like all the, just the amazing things that were happening. And then that, yeah, that last day, it was, it was, I, yeah, I came up with so much emotions when I got to the end. It was, yeah, it was pretty incredible. I want to continue to dive into mindset, but I have a question for Melissa first, your coach. Um, so this isn't like the only thing that Liz is training for, right? She, Liz, if, if anybody knows Liz, you know that her calendar is, uh, it's full. And she's a single mom of two beautiful young men and um, a teacher uh, who goes above and beyond in everything that she does. A uh, big family person, has a huge family. She's got other things on the on the calendar. So how all of a sudden do you fit this into her training schedule? And she tells you like weeks out that she's going to go do this through hike. Yeah. We had a conversation, just our normal quick catch up call. And I knew that I was going to be training Liz for trans Rockies, which is in a few weeks, another epic quest of hers. (laughs) And she had Santa Cruz 70.3 on the horizon as well. And it was, dead set on doing that race too. So she lightly brought it up and asked, could this fit my calendar if I squeeze it in, you know, a month or so out from Santa Cruz, maybe a month and a half? And I asked her the question. I said, well, how long has it been on your radar? And when she said, like, this is my, like, bucket list thing that I want to complete, I had no hesitations. I was like, Liz, yes. I said, if this is something you've always wanted to do and you know that at some point it's going to happen, there's there's never a good time, there's never a bad time to do something. If this is where your heart's calling you, absolutely. And I had full confidence because she has an unbelievable endurance base. And I know that no matter what she does, we can shift the training and... The base is always there. It's just a matter of changing the direction a little bit when she gets back. Um, so, yeah, it was a a trust-trust situation. And I said, we'll get back. We'll put in some cycling miles. And Santa Cruz is on the docket. <laughs> and actually, Liz, you and I were talking today as we were finishing up the run about Santa Cruz and your body is healing from this 
this through hike. And uh, I was saying the same thing that Melissa just said. I was like, you have a huge base. Like you have a foundation of strength that so many people that are doing their swim, bike, run, they don't have the foundation of strength that you have. Um, Tell us a little bit about what I'm talking about here. Cause I'm specifically talking about like the strength work you do at the M rock gym and things like that. Like what I do fishing. But yeah. before we get to that, going back to kind of yeah. what Melissa was saying, it's funny. Cause I ended up camping one night with two women from Colorado and they knew about trans Rockies. So they live like in Leadville. And so like, Oh my gosh, yes, we see trans Rockies all the time. And right away they're like, this is perfect training for that. <laughs> and I was like, that's exactly what I was asking my coach. <laughs> Cause yeah, it's like, you know, you're at altitude, especially, you know, we live at sea level. So, um, yeah, de- yeah, definitely that hike. I could feel it. Uh, the strength that I was building throughout those seven days, but then also the strength, yeah, from everything I've done, from the biking and from the gym, um, all the strength training definitely helped quite a bit, yeah. And then there were moments too where I was like channeling you, Jess, because I was like, I I mean, I talk to myself a lot. When you're out there for 12 hours by yourself, a lot of conversations with myself out loud. And one of the things I started doing was literally thanking all the body parts. I was and, and and boosting them up. I'm like you're doing an amazing job. Hamstrings keep on going. I was like <laughs> So yeah, I thought I thought of you when I would do that. But yeah, that's yeah. a wonderful technique. I started that technique um back in Boulder, Colorado a million years ago before I started meditating, premeditative me. And in the last mile of every single run, I should bring this back because this mm-hmm. this feels good. For one mile of every run I did, For that entire mile, I would say, thank you, calves. Thank you, heart. Thank you, liver. Thank you, eyelashes. Thank you, hair. Thank you, feet. Thank you, toenails. Thank you, fingernails. Thank you, fingers. Thank you, bones. And I would do that for, and just, and what I really didn't realize I was doing was a gratitude practice for my body. Mm -hmm. And gosh, how, um, that was a really smart thing to do. And Mm -hmm. I'm glad that uh, you must've heard that somewhere along the way. Yeah, it it helped a lot especially like on the steep climbs and climbing for a long period of time. And yeah, you're starting to feel, and then I would feel like, I would feel like almost like the strength would pick up when I would do that. You know, it's like the muscles hurt me. (laughs) So the specific strength, so you work with MROC. So you're Mm -hmm. doing box jumps, 400 sprints, you're doing deadlift. Uh, So talk a little bit about how that was applicable to climbing up the... Oh yeah, we do so yeah, we do so much strength with the legs. Yeah, I think that all helped quite a bit. I definitely the quads and the hamstrings were definitely the big workers for sure. <laughs> and the glutes. The glutes did a lot too. Um yeah, and and this and then everything with the yoga too. Like the the first day I had a lot of pain in the shoulders and I started realizing I would think I was hunching too much with the weight of the pack. First of all, my pack was way too heavy, way heavier than it should have been. And so then I started just focusing more on like everything that we do in yoga, you know, and same with the gym, right? When you're going to lift like 200 pound deadlift, you got to make sure your shoulders are back and your chest is out. And so when I started thinking about, I had to engage the core, I got to put the shoulders back that, oh, it helped. It was a game changer. My shoulders didn't hurt at all after that. So every day I just, when I would feel myself start to slouch, I would remind myself, engage that core, bring those shoulders back. And it helped a lot. So to have the weight hit, sit more in the hips rather than, rather than hunching, you know? Yeah. Why do you think the the pack was too heavy? Oh, because the rule is you should try to do twenty percent of your body weight. 
And with I was what? over that. With, oh, with, with the, the weight, weight of the pack. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, with how much so weight I was carrying. So what would you have carrying. gotten rid of? Is there anything in there? There's that? nothing I could have really gotten rid of. I used everything except the emergency <laughs> stuff. Um, but the more you spend, the lighter things are. So more expensive packs are lighter, more expensive tents are lighter. So I could invest in more expensive items. And, could, and there, I mean, I carried a chair. That could have saved me a pound if I didn't take the chair. Um, this particular trail is difficult. You've got to carry a lot of water. Where other hikes, you have access to more water. I was carrying four liters pretty much all the time, which that, so that adds a lot of weight. Yeah. I think in all the endurance events we do, whether it's 50K, triathlon, anything where we're out there for hours at a time, there's an element of trust that we have within ourselves, um, with the universe, with God. How, because you mentioned this to me, there was an element of this trip where the trust was a little different, a little deeper. Could you talk a little bit about that? The trust with the with the universe? The trust with the universe and with, you trusting yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the times, yeah, that the doubt and the fear would come up and I would, yeah, kind of have a little conversation with myself, reminding myself of everything that I have already accomplished and all the times things have felt hard, like that, I don't even know how many, how long that swim was that one time that we did and then did like the hundred yard time trial. Like I, that's one I go back to all the time. <laughs> like I did that. <laughs> I can do this. Um, yeah. And then when the fear of the unknown would come in, like, am I going to get to the next water source before I run out? And there were times I did run out of water and I'm like, it's hot to trust that the universe has my back. And they did. A mountain, there was a, one time where a mountain biker gave me water. Like those... And like other person I told you that I called a trail angel that came and had a conversation with me. He was just a day hiker. And it was that day I was having the doubt and I was down on myself. And he just reminded me of my purpose of being out here was to enjoy it and have fun. And so, yeah. And that conversation with him was a game changer. So I felt like those people were brought to me by the universe, you know, at the right moment when I needed it. Yeah, not a moment too soon or a moment mm-hmm. too late. They always show up. So I'm getting a sense, although you were solo hiking, you, you really weren't ever alone. No, there was only two nights that I literally camped alone. Yeah, every, th- every other day. But I mean, right. there was lots of times during the day, you know. Um, the last day, I don't think I saw very many people at all. But yeah, most pretty much throughout, you know, on average, I think I was out there from 10 to 12 hours every day. And yeah, you would run into quite a few mountain bikers, day hikers, other through hikers. All the other through hikers were going the opposite direction as me. So we would just be in passing. There was only one other one I met that we were going the same direction. And I ended up camping with him twice. So yeah, yeah, lots of people. Which is why, again, why it's such a great trail to do like for your first one. It's very well marked. You're, you're, not, you're not very rarely completely alone. And it's gorgeous. How gorgeous is it? Oh my like, gosh. Oh, the pictures don't do it justice. Like I'm looking back at the pictures and I'm so disappointed in my photography skills because, oh yeah, just seeing the lake. Again, like I said, we've gone, we've, I've grown up so much going to Lake Tahoe, always on the West side. So we're always seeing it from the same perspective, seeing it from all different angles um, and all the wildflowers, all the trees. Yeah, it's absolutely breathtaking. So you're popping in and out being able to see the lake, or are you always able to see the lake? No, yeah, it was popping in and out. Yeah, there were yeah. quite a few times where you couldn't see it, yeah. 
but every day saw it at some point. Yeah. And the conditions, I, I wanted you to touch upon elevation because you talked about altitude. Mm-hmm. So living at sea level and getting up there, did, how, did you, how did it affect you in terms of, because everybody has a different response or mm-hmm. uh, they respond differently to it. How did, how did it work for you? Yeah, I was worried because I have had times where I've gotten headaches at altitude and I've always had caffeine and I knew I wasn't able to carry anything with caffeine. So I had the thought right before I left, I was like, oh, I should get the hydration tabs with caffeine. But I had just placed my goo order. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not going to place another order just for hydration tabs. And I don't get the ones with caffeine normally. So I actually ended up going to stores trying to find it and nobody had it. So then I ended up buying the blue one, noon, noon, noon. Yeah. So then I was kind of worried. I'm like, oh, this is new. Am I going to handle it? But I'm glad I did because that helped. Um, and I think that was a big part of why I was struggling on that third day was I was because I had three liters in my camelback and then I had the liter on the side and that's where I was putting the hydration tab and I was kind of just sipping it on it throughout the day. After that, struggled so much on that day three, I said, I'm just going to, I'm going to drink the whole thing before I even go. And that was a game changer too. Literally just drank a whole liter of water with a hydration tab in it every day from then on, right before I even got on the trail. And that made a huge difference. Um, so yeah, I think that helped a lot because there was a couple of times where I could feel a headache coming on, but so there were a couple days, really long, hot days where I would take another one. I'd use another hydration tab in the afternoon. And that helped, yeah, that helped quite a bit. But, where were your water sources? Like, were there campsites where you had water sources? Like, how did you, how were you refilling for the days ahead and, and throughout? So most time it was a creek. Um, the two lakes that I saw, people had already warned me not to drink from them, that they weren't, it wasn't good water sources. Um, and then two sections I had to have somebody call cash water for me. So there's a woman that lives there that you can pay and she drops water off for you and she kind of hides it so no one can take it. And she doesn't really tell you until you've paid her <laughs> that it, where it's at. Um, and thank goodness I did that because both days I desperately needed the, that water, that she and I was kind of on the fence because other people in the Facebook group were saying, "No, you don't really need it. You can, you know, just put in more miles." And with how hot it was, there's, there's no way I needed that water. So I'm so glad that I had done that. How did you find out about this lady? Facebook. This yeah, is these Kate- Facebook groups Facebook, are like the Facebook. Yeah. I learned so much and all the little things I bought to help. Yeah, I learned so much from the. There's another group, Facebook group I actually joined before I started looking at the Tahoe Rim Trail called Solo Women Who Backpack and Hike. And it's all it is, is just women who do these things solo. And that's where I started, like, just, I've been following that one for like a year and just getting so so motivated by what these other women are out there doing. Some are car camping, some are, you know, long day hikes, but yeah, I learned learned so much. Um, The first night and the fifth night, I had to melt snow because I wasn't near a water source and I had run out of water. So that was an adventure. <laughs> yeah, tell us about the snow because, you know, like races have been canceled there. We had uh, one of our athletes that was doing the Tahoe 200, which was supposed to be in June. Then that got postponed. So what was this? Yeah, they were doing it. Was, it was there the weekend I finished. Yes. Yeah, I saw their signs everywhere. I was really hoping I'd run into Candace, but I didn't. 
<laughs> SAR signs. Candace Burt. SAR signs everywhere. <laughs> so, yeah, what was the, what were the snow conditions up there? Uh, there was it was a lot more than I thought. Yeah. And I stayed away from where the worst snow, the worst snow was on the west side, which is why I didn't do the whole thing was because that's where the snow was. And a lot of people I saw come in the opposite direction already finished. One guy, his poles broke getting through that snow on the west side. And people were saying, yeah, it's, it was hard. It was very difficult. But there were still quite a few patches I had to go through. So for the most part, it wasn't too bad. It was just you had to use the, the app because there were times that you were walking on snow for so long that it was like, okay, where's the trail? I have no idea where I am at right now. Um, you literally could not see the trail at all. So thank goodness for the app. Other ones were just really short. You just walk right over, you're right back on the trail. The day I did the highest peak, that was the sketchy day. <laughs> so it's what's called Relay Ridge. And it's before you get to Relay Peak, which Relay Peak is the highest point, which was like 9,400, I think, 93 something. And the ridge, so obviously I'm just, I'm, people are just telling me, don't do Relay Ridge without spikes. Don't do Relay Ridge without spikes. So before I left, I had already said, I was going to stay on the horse road. The horse road, you avoid the ridge. You're like right below the ridge and you still do the peak. But then everyone that I was asking that day before as they were coming the opposite way, I, I asked literally every single person I saw, how was Relay Ridge without spikes? They're like, oh no, it's totally doable. It's totally doable. You should do it. You should do it. I'm like, okay. Because the other thing is, if I had stayed on the, if I had stayed on the horse road. <laughs> Which goes back to another theme we've talked about on this show before is be careful about who you ask. Well, I've been asked a lot of people. So everyone is telling me the same thing, right? So I literally asked a lot of people. And then, but the other thing is, if I stayed on the road, I would have missed the falls. And I'm like, there's only one waterfall on this trail. I want to see it. <laughs> so I made the decision. I'm going to do it. I'm going to go for it. And I'm glad I did. I did fall. Sorry, mom. I did fall <laughs> a couple times. A couple times I went down on my butt intentionally. Um, but it wasn't anywhere that was like, even though you're up on this ridge, it wasn't like what I imagined. I imagined if I fall, I'm going to like plummet to my death, right? It wasn't like that. It was like, you could still fall. And I was worried. I'm like, if I fall, am I going to be able to get up again with this pack? Like I like I'm reminded of trying to clip into the bike and like falling over like a turtle. That's how I felt. And I was able to get back up. So it was good. Um, but no, so I'm, so I'm glad I did it. And in fact, the worst parts were going up the peak and down the peak. In fact, there was one part that it was, if I fell, I would have plummeted to my death. That was very nerve wracking. I didn't fall because obviously I'm here, but um, yeah. And that was, even if I had stayed on the fire road, I still would have had to do that part. That was the most nerve wracking part, but people had warned me about it ahead of time. Like the guy I'd camped with, um, it actually helped quite a bit. We literally camped together our second night, right before we were both doing that day of the peak. And I was basically just like following his footsteps. So like when beyond the snow, I would literally would put like one foot and I, I, I saw him again later and I was laughing to him. I'm like, did you hear me like calling your name all day long? Cause I'd be like, Matt, where'd you go? Where are your feet? <laughs> like, I'm like, I love your feet, Matt. Where are your feet? Because sometimes he'd have too long of a stride. So yeah, sometimes I had to make my own footprints, but yeah, my boots were not made for snow that I figured out very quickly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I slipped. I could, I would feel, so you really would have to like dig your pole in and then like stomp your foot. You guys probably know you're all come from snow, but it was like an icy snow. So yeah, was, we come from all that. And I feel like I've successfully moved that into a file drawer of my brain that says, I do not remember. Yeah, I obviously <laughs> don't. I, like it took me a while to learn. Like I really had to like stomp my foot down. Once I started doing that, it was better. 
but yeah, I, there were times where I could feel like you'd, you'd start to step, but you'd feel like a foot give way. Like it would just totally slip. But so yeah, I was glad when the snow was over. So this section that's like treacherous, right? Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Like where, how are you working with, how are you working with the mind? Or are you just super present? Like what's going so, on there? So present and going as like super slow, super present, just staying super focused. I'm like, okay, I just need to really think, like, do not rush this. Just take your time, breathe, a lot of breath work. And just, yeah, just tell myself, you, you got to stay calm. Like you, there's no, you have to do it. You can't not do it. <laughs> you can't say, I want to stop. Where's the aid station? <laughs> there's no aid stations. There's no one coming and picking you up. And it's like, a, and at that point it was like turning around would have been more miles and then more going back through snow. So everyone had warned me about this, that one part. And I knew it was coming. I kept thinking, I'm like, I just, I just literally, I, like I kind of stopped and did some breath work before I even started. I was like, you can't fall. At this point I've already fallen like three times on stuff that was way easier. And I fell. I was like, you, you have to do it. You just, you just got to do it. And I did it. And I texted the, I texted them right away. I'm like, I did it. <laughs> Made it. Cause yeah, like the guy was following his footsteps. I think he was concerned. And that's when I started really worrying me. I'm like, he's texting me quite a few times telling, like telling me, he's like, maybe you can go up and around it. And then, yeah, there was no going up and around it. It was way, it was way too high up. The snow went way too high up the mountainside and there was no going down. Like it was like, no, can't go down that way. <laughs> Just got to do it. So you have yeah. access, phone access or texting? Yeah. Like- most, most of the time I was able to text. There was only a couple camps where I had to take out my Garmin, the inReach, uh, which works on satellite. So when you don't have, when you can't text. So who is the support system? Who's, who's running base, base camp? So you, you got your mom at home worrying. You got your coach on the East Coast. Like, mm-hmm. are, they, are you feeding them where you're at? Is there a tracker? Like, how does that all work? So, yeah, they could, I could have had the tracker on. I didn't because I wanted to save the battery power. Um, I basically had a spreadsheet that basically said where I would camp every day and how many miles I would each day, like what the starting and end was. Um, and then I would send my boys a message and my parents a message every morning before I hit the trails. They knew what time I hit the trail. They knew exactly each day, like how many miles I had to go. Um, and then I would text them as soon as I'd get to camp every night. Yeah. My parents were pretty much like on the edge of their seat the entire time. They were nervous. My mom even said, she goes, I was really hoping you would hate it. (laughs) 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 She does not want me doing this again. (laughs) So hopefully she doesn't listen to this when she hears that I want to do the PCT. (laughs) She's going back and you're going with her mom. (laughs) No, I'm definitely going back to do the rest of the Tahoe Rim Trail. That's for sure. (gasps) Yeah. What about, um, I want to talk to Melissa. So what, what are you thinking? Because you're not getting any information um, back. And I think we had a, a Monday meeting or something. You're like, I don't know what she's doing right now. I've, I don't know. So what are you going through from this side? I was worried about her, but I knew she was fine too. Like I just trusted that she was okay. And I don't know which day it was. I feel like there was a few that uploaded all at once, like three at a time just showed up and I could see all the miles that you were doing. And I remember I had this feeling. I was like, damn, she's doing some badass shit out there. <laughs> and when BJ asked me, that was kind of just my recap. I didn't know what it was. I just knew that it was awesome and a challenging. And I saw the day that you were out there for 12 hours. And I was like, that's a day. I said, she's, 
she's having a time. Yeah. And Liz shared with me that she felt like it came at the perfect time, this trip. I think that spiritually it tapped into some places that needed some healing. And I kept thinking about that. Like I was sending my energy out to you and I knew that you were, um, yeah, getting what you needed. What'd you get, Liz? Um, well, I mean, I think first just the like, the fact that Melissa had no hesitation when I first brought it up to her. Like there was, I could sense the confidence from her, which also was like, kept reminding myself of that. And then again, reminding myself of everything that I've done in the past, like with BJ as a coach too. And, um, but yeah, I've just been going through a lot like hormone wise for bodies. So I've been definitely having a lot more fatigue and just a little lack of motivation. So I think that's what, yeah, Melissa, she, we've had lots of conversations about it and, um, that's where it came right when I, when I needed it. Like I got off that trail and I literally felt so invincible. <laughs> I felt so just like, holy crap, you just, sorry, I just probably should have said that on the podcast. You just did that and you could do that. You can do anything. And just the fact that I felt so good every day, I was never sore. I, again, I attribute that to the yoga. I did yoga every single morning before I left any chance I could stop and like cactus my arm. Sometimes I wouldn't even take the pack off. I would be doing, reaching up and doing cactus with the pack on, with the trekking poles in my hands. I'm like, someone's probably seen me wondering what the heck am I doing? Um, anytime I'd stop and take the pack off, I would, you know, do some stretching and I felt great. I felt amazing. I mean, yeah, I was tired. It was hard, but the body felt good, which it hasn't felt that good in a long time. So as an athlete, I'm, on Team Yogi Triathlete, um, you get meditation on your training plan and perhaps pertaining to this trip, but just in general, what has, uh, what has meditation opened to you, opened you to just in life? Um, folks, it helps me stay calm and focus on each present moment right then and there and not worry about the future, not worry about the past, not be able to step into something like this with so much unknown. But yet I still was so calm about it. Um, yeah, it's, it's almost like this like inner power. I don't know. Like this, this just, Yeah just this power inside of me that I was just like, I have a part of me like had no doubt, like this is happening I can do this. I'm just going to take it little by little. And yeah, the breath work helped so much, so, so many times. What's your favorite breath exercise that you were employing on the, on the trip? Probably the in four, hold seven, out eight is probably the one I did the most. Yeah. And a lot of just really just focusing on like, like some of the stuff you guys have been talking about lately on the podcast, the, just the nasal breathing and just, just slowing things down. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then, and just the, the constant gratitude too. I feel like even though I wasn't like meditating or focusing on breath, but the fact that I was like having those conversations with myself out loud it's kind of funny, like through the time I've passed the time and it kind of helped me 
like stay focused on each moment and not worry to to avoid like worried about how much more time I had or how long I've already been out here, how hot it is. I would actually like have a conversation as if we were talking like right now. Like I kind of had a part of me where I was imagining myself as a guest on your podcast. (laughs) And then I was, I would literally like walk and talk out loud telling you the stories of each day. (laughs) Like of everything that had already happened up until that point. <laughs> Which is probably why I got this massive hit. Like I just, I didn't know anything about it. I just saw you put that comment in the, in the team WhatsApp group. And I was like, we need to, we need to talk about this. Yeah. And it was funny because I even had moments where I was like, why are you doing this? Liz? You're not going to be on their podcast. <laughs> like, like, but I would have these conversations as if I was a guest on your podcast, I could literally picture us sitting right here and picture me telling you about each day. <laughs> <laughs> well, was there anything in that pre-podcast that um, that we haven't t- touched upon yet that you would like to share? There's probably a lot more detail that I'm not remembering right now, but yeah, because I mean, 12 hours, there was a lot to talk about with myself <laughs> and imaginary Jess and BJ. <laughs> That's amazing. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. Um, can we just talk about, I want to know the elevation and the miles that you put down. So total, like official... Out of, for the seven days on the actual Tahoe Rim Trail was 83.5 miles. But there was a lot of, like, obviously to get to the start, it was a good, like, mile and a half from where I parked on that trailhead. Sometimes camp was a good 1.7 or 1.8 miles from the trailhead. And then once you're in camp, then there's walking to the stream and then filtering your water and then walking back. So there was definitely, I didn't, I didn't even look at the watch to see officially how many miles it was, but it's definitely more. And then the snow day, there were a lot of times I went up and around. I literally avoided the snow as much as possible. So that was a lot of extra walking too. Um, but yeah, official on the Tahoe Rimmage was 83.5, which is pretty much exactly half. I think it's 164 if you do the whole thing. What was the elevation do you uh, it ranged. Um, I think it got as low to like 6,500 and then the highest peak was 9,400. Total climbing. Total oh, climbing. total climbing. Yeah, I don't know. I think the longest day was 25 something. I think two days were about 25. Yeah, I don't know. Pull up the training peaks. Yeah. Uh, since we're talking stats, what did you take in for um, nutrition? Not enough. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, again, it's because I couldn't pack. So everything has to fit in your bear canister and everything like from lotion to my contact solution to my contacts, um, chapstick, everything, my squirrel's nut butter, like everything has to fit in that bear canister. So I was very limited and I made the mistake of buying the smaller one, not the bigger one. Now looking back, it was a lesson learned. I should have bought the larger canister. Um, so every morning was oatmeal. Um, it had some like some dehydrated blueberries in it, it had some almonds in it, it had some coconut, hemp seeds. Um, every lunch every day was a pasta salad. So I used the bonza pasta, mm-hmm. try to get some more protein. And it had um, cherry tomatoes, some zucchini, some red peppers. And what's kind of cool about that is, and again, nothing I learned from the little dehydrating Facebook group is... I would put it in my little thermos cup in the morning and then just cover it with water and it would soak all day. So I never, I didn't have to cook for lunch. So then six hours later, you just drain the water and it's, it's all ready to go. It's all hydrated. Mm -hmm. I'd add a little bit of olive oil. I carried a little extra thing of olive oil. Um, and then dinner one night was 
Some nights were the mac and, vegan mac and cheese with broccoli, which is so good. Oh my gosh, so good. And then another one was this like um, Thai, it was like the thin little like Thai rice noodles and then some veggies and then like a vegan like bouillon cube, is that what they're mm-hmm. called? Yeah, that was supposed to give like kind of like a chicken flavor, but mm-hmm. it was a vegan one, yeah. So um, yeah, so those were dinners. The meals actually weren't too bad. Definitely the mac and cheese could have been a larger portion. That one was kind of small. It was, I didn't have enough snacks. And again, it was because I couldn't fit anything in there. Um, what did you have for snacks? Ooh. I had bought the, from Sprouts, it was a thing of the dates with, it's covered in some kind of nut. I don't remember what it's on it. Um, I bought a whole thing, hoping to take the whole thing. It didn't fit. So I basically had one little zippy baggie that I had to kind of break even out for the seven days and then some banana chips. That was it. I definitely, that's, that's definitely where I needed more. And, you know, I think my body's so used to all the electrolytes from all the training, right? I couldn't take any of that. All I had was that one hydration tab every day and water. That was it. So, yeah, I was definitely, I was definitely feeling it for sure. What would you have done differently? Like, I, I know you're limited to what you had in the pack, but like, what could you, what could you have yeah, done? Yeah, I think, if, yeah, if I had had a larger bear canister, I think I definitely could oh, have okay. taken more snacks for sure. I had a larger portion of, of the mac and cheese dinner. And then I would have, yeah, would have either, I don't think I would have been able to take like as much like rock tan or anything as I would have wanted, but I definitely could have at least taken another thing of hydration tabs and maybe taken like two or three of those a day instead of just one a day on some days. Um, Cause I was sweating a lot. Yeah. What were you craving? Like what were you, did you have any cravings or, or missing? Cause being out there seven days, you're off your normal just routine. Just like a, a big meal. Like <laughs> when I got off, I just want, I go, I just want to get a huge hearty meal. <laughs> and I did, I got an amazing burger. <laughs> it was like this impossible burger. It had barbecue sauce and peppers on it. And oh, it was the best thing ever. But after, that was after or during. That was after. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but all the time during, I kept fantasizing about, about having like a, just a big hearty meal with like some fries or yeah, something salty. <laughs> and Coke, of course. I was craving Coke. I need to share because I'm staying with Liz right now and I keep passing on the counter her dehydrated baggies, which she probably can't throw out because she works so hard dehydrating them. Uh, they're not big baggies. No. There's probably like, I want to say three quarters of a ramen packet with four little zucchini slices in there um yeah i asked her last night i said this is dinner every night and i knew what she did every day because um her total elevation gain was almost thirteen thousand feet i just <laughs> added up the numbers that was the, the, total? That oh, was wow. the total right that here sounds like a lot Twelve thousand eight hundred and forty forty eight. um yeah it's a lot and you've been saying all day, you're like, I'm so hungry. Like I've been ravenous I've been nonstop all week. And I have said to you several times, I said, well, you did starve yourself for a week straight. I really, no, I honestly <laughs> did. I looked in the mirror because I obviously, I mean, with everything I've been dealing with the hormone issues, I've put on a lot of weight the last month. And I looked in the mirror and significantly saw how much weight I lost. Like it was that obvious. Just seeing from a little mirror, it wasn't even a full length mirror, it was just a little mirror in the hotel. And I was like, oh, that's not good. <laughs> I need food. <laughs> Had a shower first though. <laughs> then I went and got food. Um, yeah. No, but that's the thing. Like the meals though, 
Like, I don't think I could have put anything else in me. And you actually saw the larger portion. She saw the like rice noodle one, which actually was bigger. The mac and cheese was small. Um, yeah, I think meal wise, I felt I felt good. It was, yeah, it was, I definitely need more stuff in between, you know? The only thing I'm thinking is, is there a way you could have brought dense calories? Like maybe tahini packets, peanut butter packets, Something that's small and dense. Yeah, I definitely wish I had had peanut butter for my oatmeal every morning. That was something I felt like I was missing a lot. Yeah. You know how much I love my peanut butter? I love my peanut butter. (laughs) Yeah, that wasn't the time to fast on the peanut butter. Um, So yeah, we're looking at uh, about 13,000 feet of climbing. Probably with all those little offshoots, you're probably closer to 100 miles. Um... What'd you learn about yourself? I feel like so much. <laughs> um, that I'm even stronger and more capable than I thought. Like, I don't know why I always have doubts because I feel like every time I have those doubts, I do it. Like, it gets done. Um, I learned to be kind with myself. Because, I mean, obviously, you guys know from every time we do stuff, right? I tend to be the one on the slower end of things. And I've always, like, get down on myself. And here was a a time where it was like, it didn't matter, right? There was no time you had to be. There's no one you're competing with. There's, it was freeing. But then at the end of the day, it was also like, why do you get down on yourself? Like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how long it takes you to finish that 70.3. Um, you still finished, you know? So, and so that, and that was a bit, and like I said, that day where I had that transformation, I was like, no more do I care about, I'm spending all this energy calculating how much more I have to go and how much longer it's going to take me. And like, what, to sit at camp? Like, I'd rather be out here on the trail with these gorgeous views than sitting at a camp. So it was like, take your time. It doesn't matter. It's okay. And that was probably the biggest thing, just to be kinder to myself. Well, it's just, Jess says this a lot too. It's just you and you. Mm-hmm. And maybe it takes getting out on a trail by yourself to to come into that that mindset. And we get into these communities of Ironman and ultra trail running and we're there racing with people. I think we get caught up in that stuff. Uh, I think the very example of, of this beautiful experience you had is you don't even know how much elevation you had. Like I can't tell you how many people I know (laughs) would be freaking out, um, not knowing that. So it sounds like it was a truly, um, uplifting, up-leveling, uh, experience for you. Um, what do your children think? What do your boys think? <laughs> I, my oldest, I have no idea. So he hasn't really said much. <laughs> and he didn't really reply to much of my texts. Um, but he is the one that before I left, when my parents, my mom was like, do they know how serious this is? He's the one that replied. He's like, Nana, she does Ironmans. <laughs> like, she's fine. <laughs> um but no, my youngest, he was cute. He would reply to a lot of the texts and he was like, amazing, send us pictures. And he even did a post. He like, po- he never posts. And especially on Instagram, they, they, you know, these teenagers are all about Snapchat. Um, he posted a picture that I had posted. I think he just like took a picture of it. And um, I don't even remember what he wrote on there. I took a screenshot of it, but he was just like so awesome. Or he was just like, yeah, 
take this little moment to brag, I guess, about me. But yeah, it was cool. It's it's neat. What would you say to other women who want to do something like this, being on the trail alone as a woman, but perhaps they're hesitating? What would you say? Do it. Do I mean, this is something that I have wanted to do. And this is what I was, I was thinking of while you were talking. This is something I've wanted to do for so, so, so long. Years. I have wanted to go backpacking and never did because I always thought I had to go with somebody. I don't know what I'm doing. I need to be like shown the ways. It's too unsafe for me to go solo. I'm so, so glad I finally had the courage to do it. Um, And I think, again, what really helped is being a part of that Facebook group and seeing other women doing it. I met five other women out there doing it solo and they were doing the whole thing. Um, It's... It's just unbelievable. Like, and just, that was another thing. I think a big thing I learned from being out the trail, like don't ever underestimate the kindness of strangers. Um, So many amazing people. And I think on any trail, even if it wasn't that you would see so many people, you're still going to run into some pretty amazing people. I mean, I think it's the same, like when we run into other old trail runners and ultra triathletes, and it's the same thing when you run into other backpackers and, and a lot of people you do run into, we're, you know, we're day hikers, we're, we're ultra runners out there running, we're mountain bikers, we're out there biking. And yeah, it's just, it was unbelievable. I was I just the most amazing experience ever. I can't wait to go again. <laughs> <laughs> Melissa, what did you take away from what your athlete accomplished? She actually engaged so much excitement within myself. Like even this talk, I feel just what you were saying about how all the time there's something in front of us that we get nervous about. We have self-doubt. We don't think we can do it. We always do. Yeah. I think that's that's amazing. Um, and I want to do one with you. Like we've been jokingly talking about it all week, but I want to backpack with Liz. I do. And I want her to coach me. I want her to tell me what's a pack. I want her to help me get ready. Yeah, she's going to coach me through one and roles are going to be reversed. Maybe that's even a new business, Liz. Backpack with Liz. <laughs> okay, so uh, this was a thought I had in Oregon. When I was out there on the trails, and like, right, and as I was like starting to learn more about, it wasn't this last one, it was the Oregon before, right? When you raced, and we, I oh, went and spectated. Po- the 70.3 race. Yeah. yeah. And remember, I kept doing some day hikes before yes. I like met up with you guys, and that was one of the thoughts I had. I was like, how can I stop doing my day-to-day job and do more of kind of like what you guys do? And that was my thought, was I could leave pe- lead people on hikes and we can even have meditations out there on the trail. Like, <laughs> it was a thought. You never know. It's just the like seeds it. are being planted. I like it. Yeah. But that's where I think that is just so cool. Like, and they, you know, so many times people say social media is so bad, right? Um, just everything I learned from being a part of these Facebook groups was so, and then, yeah, just not only motivational, like you said, hearing what these other women are doing, but everything I've learned. I've learned so much. There's so much I could teach you. Like, oh, just so many cool little things to buy that make things just so much easier. And yeah. Well, well I think the, the social accounts, it's our, it's our, 
it's not removing the account. The account's doing nothing. Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, they're not doing anything. It's our relationship to those things. So you can remove it, but you're still going to have resistance or a bad taste in your mouth about that thing. So they are useful, absolutely 100%. And I think you demonstrated how you can use them to get you through a super challenging um, experience. So it's really in our relationship to it. So I'm glad you, I'm glad you mentioned that. And they are useful in, in that realm. Did you have any, um, did you have any notes or, you know, I know you took a screenshot of your son's post, but did you have any notes or any things that tangible that you looked at or read? Did you have a book with you or anything that you served as inspiration to, to get you through the trail? Um, yeah, I had took my Kindle with me and it's the book that the team VPA is reading right now about a guy who's biked from Oregon to Patagonia and had no biking experience whatsoever. And part of reading his story is kind of, I started that book before I decided I was going to go. And so, yeah, every night I'd kind of read a little bit more from it. And that was definitely motivational too. I'm like, here's a guy that doesn't, he didn't even know how to clip in. <laughs> he rode a bike from Oregon to Patagonia. So yeah, it was pretty amazing. So yeah. And I've just, I've read so many books about people who've hiked the AT and people who've hiked the PCT. And so just thinking back to all those books I've read of people who have done even more amazing hikes. Yeah. It's definitely very motivational. All right. One more question. Um, as we wrap this up, what is one view that was captured in your memory? Oh, There's so many. <laughs> What's the first one that comes to mind? And describe it to us. Um, I mean, there were so many gorgeous views of the lake and so many gorgeous views of like all the wildflowers. But I think the one that really comes to mind is the sunset I saw that first night from what's called the bench. And my original plan, how I planned everywhere I was going to plan out was basically seeing what other people had done that was on the Facebook group. And I was supposed to stop, my original plan was to stop a mile before the bench and not see the bench till the next day. And someone in the Facebook group said no, because I had basically posted my itinerary. I said, give me feedback. What do you think? Is this doable? Um, and someone replied, I'm so grateful he did. He said, go another mile, camp at the bench. You won't regret it. The sunset's amazing. And it was breathtaking. I mean, there was lots of mosquitoes. I had to wear my little mosquito net. <laughs> that was the night I heard the bear. But, oh my gosh. Like, again, I mean, I, I, I don't even know. I, I think I only posted like two pictures of it. I took probably a thousand just of that sunset. But it was absolutely, just absolutely gorgeous. And then to be there by myself, where other people I know that had camped there after me were like, were there with other people. I think it was made even more special. The fact that I was there alone. It was my first official night on the trail and... Yeah, it was breathtaking. One word to describe the feeling that that sunset evoked from you. Calm. All right. That's a wrap. Thank you so much. It was <laughs> amazing. You. I feel yeah. like we could continue to talk about this. I totally want to go do something like this too. This sounds amazing. Just being in the wilderness, being connected to mother nature, but thanks so much. Thanks for sharing so generously. And I'm going to make the assumption that if anybody who's listening to this and is interested in doing something like you did, that they can reach out to you. Of course. Yes. Yeah. 
Good. Yes. Everyone needs to do it. Well, we'll put the links to connect with Liz and Melissa uh, in the show notes to this. And thank you so much for being here uh, for this late night podcast. It is 720 and we are signing off. 